Hello and welcome back to China Manufacturing Decoded from Sovist. Adrian here and Renault's back with me for this episode. Hello, Renault. Hey, Adrian. Yeah. How you doing? I'm well. It's uh, it's certainly not very warm where I am, and the UK is currently on strike. Uh, everything's <laughs> everything's going crazy here. Uh, but <laughs> any listeners internationally, just go check out the UK news. You'll you'll see what's going on in the UK. It's it's yeah. uh, not, oh man, it's, it's been a bit of a mess. Not much better in France, but yeah, fortunately, I'm far away. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, you're in a much better environment, I think. Yes, much better. <laughs> yeah, on the way back from uh, North America, from uh, uh, a few days in um, in Japan. So, mm-hmm. excellent. The, the orderly society and so on. I can't say I'm not jealous, but uh, there you go. <laughs> so, you're now heading back towards Asia, and this is probably something that a lot of our listeners are thinking of doing as well especially now that china has reopened one of the things that people will be thinking of doing some of our listeners for sure is sourcing new suppliers in asia especially for electronic products which is uh, a niche that we work with a lot of the time in in southeast and one of the key kinds of suppliers that one might be sourcing is a contract manufacturer for electronic products. So what I wanted to talk about today was how you go about finding, you know, sourcing a contract manufacturer and choosing the right one for your needs if you are going to get an electronic product made, especially in China. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, first we should clarify what is a CM, a contract manufacturer, right? Yeah. So when companies search for suppliers in Alibaba and so on, they see OEM, ODM, blah, blah, blah. There's a whole alphabet soup. And basically ODM means that uh, ODM, original design manufacturer, it would mean that they own the intellectual property or, or in many cases in China, it's something derived from their work for their other customers, where they present it as their own IP, and then you can buy the product and you distribute it, right? And mm-hmm. that's ODM. And in, in that case, you are basically a distributor, and your your supplier owns the product, right? Product intellectual property rights. And obviously, there are some variations on that where you might pick one of their models and and ask them to add an, a special feature or remove something and, you know, maybe do the casing a bit differently so that uh, aesthetically it's a bit different and so on. But still, most of the IP belongs to the supplier. OEM means that you come with your own product that you design or you want to design it together with them. And again, in the Chinese environment, it's not so clear by default who owns the IP. If you don't take any precautions, it will be um, owned by the by the manufacturer, uh, but if you have a good contract, you can you can cover that. However, in many cases, OEM suppliers again, if you don't pay uh, much attention and you don't write black and uh, black and white exactly what is required from each party and so on, they might maybe make sure that you cannot pull the the, the tooling. For example, if you if you pay for custom tooling, uh, you cannot 
uh, easily switch you know, uh, production from one factory to the other if they don't perform up to your standards or if for whatever reason you want to change to, to move production away, right? So they they usually want to have certain rights, let's say, over the product. Let, let's keep it simple like this. Hmm. And if for, for companies that want to avoid that, then they try to work with a contract manufacturer and a contract manufacturer basically is much more comfortable with having everything laid out in a contract. Usually they have their own, uh, you know, development agreement and manufacturing agreement templates and, and they, they're perfectly fine not owning the product or anything. And they're fine if you, at one point, you want to transfer production away, right? I mean, except if you negotiated something different, but it's, it, it is really the, the way um, a lot of big companies work. Uh, they tend to work with control manufacturers, not OEM or ODM, because they want to have control. They want to have control over the products, right? So that's um, that that just for a short definition, right? And then also in the electronics um, industry, you might see sometimes EMS, right? Electronic Manufacturing Services. You might think, what is that? Uh, usually, is a company that does the the PCBA process, right? The, assembles the PCBA. The, the, I mean, the components on the PCB. And um, and sometimes they also do assembly operations, but be careful if they introduce themselves as a EMS supplier, it means their main focus is on PCBA. And if your product's assembly and final testing and so on is a little bit complicated, if there are, let's say, um, there's a lot of mechanical uh, engineering design involved, they are probably not the best fit, right? Mm. Whereas control manufacturers usually uh, definitely, you know, have a focus on assembly and testing, and they might also do some of the upstream processes such as SMT for PCBA and, you know, injection molding and, and maybe CNC machining and so on. They might have some of that in-house, but they um, usually they, they will make the full product. So, Assembly and, and, and testing is, is quite important. So that was for the initial clarification, right? Mm. But the, the question was what to look at if you're looking for a contract manufacturer and if you want to select one, right? Yes. Um, so the first question actually is, uh, you know, what kind of uh, quantity are you planning to order? So... Everybody always talks about Apple and Foxconn and like Foxconn has half a million people in China, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> because Apple's volumes and, and their other customers' volumes are enormous, right? And this is what people very often would call a tier one supplier, the Foxconn, the Wistron, the Pegatron, uh, these large Taiwanese manufacturers. And, and there's also some, uh, you know, LuxShare and, and, and a few others that are Chinese owned and and and, and there's some others, but it's mostly these two um these two countries, let's say. Um mm. and then you have like tier two, tier three, you know, people often talk about these uh, these these kinds of tiers. If you're developing a, a product and you want your first batch to be one thousand pieces, and if you're planning maybe, you know, if everything goes well next year we make twenty thousand pieces. You're not going for the biggest ones. You don't go for the big boys. Forget about it, right? 
So that is really, um, really very, very important. You, you need to be interesting to the supplier of the right size. And it's the same for ODM and OEM suppliers, right? Um, this is a bit basic, but you, you, you need them to be, to be interested in the business and to spend the time and the engineering resources and so on to do what is needed. Okay. To, uh, to do, uh, to review your design and do risk analysis and, 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 and carry it through an NPI process at the beginning, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Whereas if you feel way too small, well, you you might have uh, five hours a week from from a project manager, uh, you know, or, or maybe more from um, someone they just they just hired, who is not very experienced. Right, that's an mm. example. And and conversely, if your orders are pretty large, don't go for a small company that barely has the capacity, you know, to uh, to take on maybe the complexity of your product during the. Um, the transfer to manufacturing phase and the pre-production preparation and, and all of that, but also the capacity just to, to manufacture it in, in, in the right volumes, because then for sure it's going to be self-contracted. They might not tell you. I mean, it, it's, you don't want to go into mm. that, right? Mm. So that, that, that's the first point. Mm. Um, second point, is it high-volume, low-mix or, or, or low-volume, high-mix, right? Uh, what 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 exactly are you you know uh, are you going to uh, to order? Are you going to order just one SKU, one one type of product in one color, one size, and that's it? Okay, that's one thing that's that's more interesting. But if you start to say, well, it's going to be like a smaller, medium, and a large, and they're going to go in 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 five different colors, and so on. <laughs> Suddenly, it's not that interesting to the same kind of company. Okay. Mm. Suddenly, they will see it actually as three different products, and they're going to say, "Well, the, the quantity per product is not very high, right?" Mm. And it's not just about internally. Do they have the resources to put on this? Are they interested? You know, compared to their other projects, but it's also their core suppliers. You know, because they have a few preferred suppliers for plastic parts, for metal parts. You know, for for casting, for, for this and that, you know, for for PCBA. And maybe the volume is not going to be very interesting to them. But just the extra complexity with how many SKUs you have, it's not going to be very interesting to them. It's the same idea as size, right? Mm. Uh, so you, 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 you get, uh, you got to be careful here. You got to be careful. A, a lot of factories just want to optimize for, uh, making one big batch <laughs> and um, not having much confusion uh, and, and not having to do a lot of preparation, let's say. You know, they do the preparation for one order and then that line is going to keep running for three weeks, right? So versus some other places where things are much more flexible, they have process engineers and they have a certain process to uh, to 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 make their lines more flexible, I'd say, right? Mm. Uh, and the line leaders have sort of their checklist and are used to it, and they switch from this one to that one, and they make sure that there's no material from the previous one still on the line, and they have to make sure that all the work instructions have to change and so on and so forth. That's in assembly, but actually, it's the same with um, 
component and material suppliers, right? Mm. If you if you buy custom made parts, same problem. If 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 the quantity is low, it's not going to be interesting to the same uh, the same component supplier. So that was point number two. Point number three is about visibility and transparency. Okay, so. Mm. <laughs> a lot of buyers, when they start to work in Asia, they say, well, you know, I don't really know how this works. I just need someone like that I can trust. And 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 we've been doing that a number of times. And I just piggyback on their experience. I don't want to really learn everything. I don't have the time for that. It's too complicated. I don't have the, the capability for, you know, of following everything. And then... That's what some uh, trading companies love. That's what some manufacturers love. You know, okay, don't worry. We'll just provide you a full solution, and um, and that's it. You you mm. you just get your product. You know, you pay for it. You get the product. That's it. But a lot of issues can come from that. Let's say there's there's a problem with um, whatever. There's some reliability problems, and it seems like they always. Uh, they're always related to the same components. All right. Mm. Well, then you say, what's going on with that component? You know, and maybe you say, hey, I'm going to be in wherever. I'm going to be in Suzhou and where maybe assembly is taking place uh, next week. You know, I'd like to go and visit the, the manufacturer of that component. And then your supplier says, well, it's a bit more complicated, you know, blah, blah, blah. They don't really want to see you. Uh, don't worry about that. You know, we're on top of it. And basically, they don't want you to know where it's made. And it comes back to what I was mentioning before, is that if you if you as the buyer have too much information, you know, the, if you know everything, then it's easy for you to, it's relatively easy, let's say. It's easier uh, to switch to another supplier. Let's say that there's uh, four different custom components and there's 20 uh, standard components if you know exactly where they all of these are made or, or purchased well then maybe the assembly supplier is quite you know disposable <laughs> you can switch to another one you can have a backup you can start to switch between you know orders between the your your maybe two different assembly suppliers and so on and so some suppliers do not like that at all mm. and that makes sense let's say if you as the buyer did not pay for the sourcing service uh, that is really um, because you know maybe they, they, they spent tens and tens of hours working on, on on finding these suppliers and qualifying them and everything and then suddenly you ask them to give you the information for free well not going to happen easily right so you, again you have to be clear from the beginning uh, mm. if from your past experiences or from, you know, the excellent advice that companies like ours provide, <laughs> you, you know that you need some visibility over the, the bill of materials, you know, the, the list of components and their sources and things like that. You got to specify mm. that from the very beginning and you got to tell the supplier about it. You got to make sure it's in the contract. And, and then you need to avoid the suppliers that are hesitant because if they're mm. already hesitant now, they're going to be even more hesitant once they see that you've already spent a lot of time, you know, 
finishing the development of the product with them and, and, and investing in tooling that they have in their warehouse and things like that, right? So pick the right supplier so, so that you have the level of transparency that you need. And a lot of people say, well, it's not possible for relatively low volume to have the transparency over the bill of material. Well, that is not true. That is not true. If you're in this situation, contact us. That is very, uh, very untrue. Okay. Mm. So that was point three, visibility, transparency, or the bill of materials. When it comes to transparency over the supply chain, I think there's more demands on importers these days than before, certainly in the West, right? But I don't know whether the dem- the the demands for you to provide that level of transparency over your supply chain, whether your orders are large or small, I don't know whether that's that the demands are moving faster than the Asian suppliers are in terms of their evolving yeah. to be able to provide the transparency. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, um, especially with EU and their big initiative, or the, the they call the Green Deal, mm. um, the, the the upcoming. Uh, eco design regulation and yeah. for, for companies that, that are in the stock market, even if they're not large, um, the, the corporate, um, uh, directive, so, sorry, corporate reporting directive, mm. uh, there's things like that that are coming up and that are forcing companies to, to do more due diligence in their supply chain and, and to, provide more information about the product, but also about, you know, the, the manufacturing place and so on uh, to consumers because it's always related. So the, the product product comes out of, um, of a factory uh, just to be compliant. Uh, you, you know, you, um, how to say, you have to conduct a certain amount of due diligence on the manufacturer, you know, mm. right? So all of that is uh, t- together forms the basis for compliance in the EU, among other things, right? And it's just the EU, but then looking at, um, well, UK is following that pretty much. Uh, Australia, Canada, probably going to follow to a certain extent in their own ways. California might do things also. So uh, let, let's see. But this is a mega trend. Mm. Um, the regulators are asking for more information, more assurance that the right amount of due diligence has been conducted. Yes. Uh, so let's go to point four is about intellectual yep. property. <laughs> so, and again, I mentioned this at the beginning. The whole point about working with a contract manufacturer is that they don't try to have any claims over your intellectual property, right? Mm. Uh, well, make sure that you 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 get it confirmed, right? Um, and obviously, a, an American-owned or European-owned contract manufacturer will have their own view on that, their own. Um, approach to that which might be a little bit different from a chinese owned contract manufacturer there are always cultural differences and things like that but this is relatively basic right 
uh, it, it's got to be uh, covered in the product development agreement anyway. But just always, again, make sure that it's very clear and that the um, their business model is not to to become an ODM over time, right? And to uh, sort of grab their customers' products and, and start to resell them on other markets and so on. This this mm. is not so good, right? We'll just make a, right. a few cosmetic changes, uh, but reuse uh, some of the internal parts and the the, the, the firmware and, and the main functions and, and so on. They might in the end be your competitor. This is no good, mm. right? Point number five is, do you need help with product development? And do you need help with uh, also compliance? So do you need help with product development? Um, very often, uh, companies that uh, have an idea for a new product and, and, and want to get it manufactured, very often they will do some of the work, right? Maybe they get to a proof of concept. Uh, maybe they go they go further. Uh, maybe they do all of the all of the firmware because they really want to have that in their hands, mm. and they and they select the the key electronic components. But maybe for the for the mechanical side, they do a very sort of gross, simple design, three D printed, just to make sure that overall it kind of feels okay. But they don't want to spend much you know too too much time on that. Well, mm. in that case. They work with the manufacturer to finish the product development work, right? And to 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 make sure it's designed for proper manufacturing and assembly, and 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 and, and for quality and so on and so forth, right? And that's fine, but you got to work with a manufacturer that number one has the engineering capability and the resources available and so on, you know. And number two, that yeah, it's just not too busy and and. Again, it comes back to points one and two. Mm-hmm. That is a good fit for you, and and you also you are a good fit for them, so that they are interested, right? So that's really important. When we comes to mm-hmm. to compliance, again, do you need them to already be aware of what actually applies to your product? And we're talking about electronic products, so you know in the US, um, FCC obviously UL uh, some products. Um, you know, in, um, in the EU, um, anyway, Ross, uh, and, and, uh, maybe LVD, uh, maybe red, which includes, um, some, some others, you know, th- there's a number of things that apply, right. And then if it's also, um, also Australia, also Japan, also it, it gets a bit complicated, right. So do they actually know about that? Are they aware of how to, how to handle that? Mm-hmm. Um, what is their experience, right? And uh, don't if if you need the the culture manufacturer to be aware of all that and to help you, okay. Um, you got to make sure that you work with the right people here again. And you will need to to work with more uh, more sophisticated uh, people, right? Um, so, and it might come at a higher cost, maybe. Right. So you 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 need to balance the the, the pros and cons here. And what what is really important for you? Mm-hmm. Point point six is about the the manufacturing, the, the the fabrication processes they have in house. Okay, there's a lot of people who have this idea that hey, 
I want to work with the manufacturer and they they do like everything in house. I want them to do to to make the plastic parts in house and the metal parts and to uh, you know and 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 this and this and that and the silicon and and whatever you know for most products it it just doesn't <laughs> doesn't really make sense. It's going to be a bunch of standard products that they're going to buy, but you don't want mm. them to to try to make the you know the screws. It just doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, so that that's one thing. And the second thing is the benefit of having them make things in house to a higher extent. Let's say is is twofold. Number one is control. And yes, if they make it in house, they can have better control. If it's a high level. You know, a very good factory with good, with very mature systems, it will come out on average, you know, of a high quality and, and consist, consistently good quality, that's for sure. The, the second point is if they are very specialized, they always, they only make a certain kind of product. Okay. So, for example, the, uh, the car factories, right? Uh, the, they might, make their own engine now more and more the, the the engine anyway the combustion engines maybe tended to be made by um in 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 maybe a separate plant okay but then uh, they would they would get the um, uh, the, the steel coils and then they would, would unroll they would stamp uh, they would weld they would paint and then they would put all the fittings inside i mean some of that is is um yeah, it's done in house because it's sort of like you know every car has to go through these things, right? And if you if you if it's a um, I don't know, like uh, for example, I remember a wheelchair factory. Well, same thing, you know, uh, and and some wheelchair factories make a lot of their own um, their own parts, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the rubber and the, the metal parts. Maybe they uh, they they cut and they. Um, they, they make all kinds of things. So one of them was even doing some uh, some stitching for the the the, um, the textile parts. I mean, you can do that if you on always make wheelchairs, right? And it's always the same kinds of wheelchairs if possible. Okay, if your product is relatively new, doesn't fit into this kind of very repetitive uh, sort of. Um, uh, product where you you can work with a very specialized factory, it doesn't really make sense. Mm. Okay, so think think about all this. Don't yeah, don't come in with preconceived notions about what a factory is supposed to look like and how they're supposed to be organized. Go in there with your eyes open. The good thing is that right now China is opening. Uh, things are a bit delayed. Is, you know, it's not that easy to get the visa uh, reactivated or granted. There's a long waiting time. Also, there's not that many flights and they're expensive. I mean, it's not great, right? But what mm. I'm saying is, in a few months, anyway, the situation will probably be clear. You can go and you can visit and you can ask questions, right? Again, don't go with preconceived notions. Point seven is uh, quality control, including the testing equipment. So do they have a, a testing lab? What do they do in there? Is it in good conditions? Do the people really use it? And, and ask questions, you know, 
also if you can visit about their quality system and, and um, what kind of preventive actions they, they take, and not just inspection, right? Don't just look at inspection. Try mm. to see if it's a mature system. And it, it's it's not that difficult, you know, you can simply book a, a factory audit and, and we can help with that. And um, and there's, there's very common sort of checklists out there. It's not it's not difficult to to uh, to have an idea about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Point number eight is the the tooling, the jigs, uh, the fixtures, and so on. Okay. So we're talking about electronics in particular. So for example, when they buy the the PCBA, who's going to make the function testing stations? Right, PCBA supplier or or the contract manufacturer, who's going to do it? What about the assembly fixtures, uh, the go-logo gauges and things like that? Do they have the capability to to uh, at least plan for it in-house? Now, if they if they have a, a much smaller company actually make the jigs and so on, that's fine. But do they have some, um, some engineers, some process engineers to think about it uh, and quality engineers and so on, right? Um, can they show some examples, right? Um, this is very highly correlated with good manufacturers. Uh, number nine is liability. So <laughs> if the product is not well made and, you know, there's manufacturing defects and it leads to uh, safety issues or just non-compliance and it's very expensive for your company, What's going to happen, right? Can you can you go against them? Does you know do they accept to have a contract with a liability that extends past what is kind of uh, I don't say standard in most Chinese OEM ODM contracts, where they would mm. just say, well, you know, we can give you a rebate for next time, or blah blah blah. You you can send back and rework, you know. And, and that's it. Nothing else, right? But if it costs you a lot of money, and twenty uh, percent of the products are defective, it, it there should be some kind of escalation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and always keep in mind if it's design issues, design defects on your product, don't go after your manufacturer. You know, this is actually your uh, your your problem, right? Okay, point number 10 is the payment terms. Again, the sort of standard in China is a 30% payment before production and then 70% either just before shipment or after shipment, but before sending the the original documents, uh, the bill of lading and and, and so on for for sea shipment anyway. Is is this what you what you want to go for? Do you want over time to have better payment terms? Well, you might have to talk to a number of contract manufacturers here, uh, mm-hmm. and you 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 might have to have ways to reassure them. Okay, if you're just a startup, just start just, just starting, no track record or anything, and no particular story to tell. Obviously, it's going to be harder to sell yep. a project. Okay, it's always like that anyway. 
And then the last one is the delivery terms and what what inco terms specifically to, uh, to, to work with. Mm -hmm. By default, if you don't know a Chinese supplier, if it's shipped by 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 sea, uh, you would usually go with FOB terms. That's what most companies do. Um, and the big benefit of FOB is that they take care of everything local, local in in their country, and they, they do the export uh, processing. Okay. They prepare all of that, they export out of China. You don't have to deal with China paperwork at all. And then you nominate the freight forwarder that manages the shipping and they, they deliver to the freight forwarder and you know when the goods are in the possession of your freight forwarder, when the goods are on the boat and so on. You have visibility over all of that. Mm. And um, for example, if you want a final quality inspection before shipment, uh, you know, if they want to ship the goods out before, sort of pull a fast one on you up quick, and oh, sorry, already shipped out. Mm. Well, your freight forwarder has not issued the, the, um, the shipping order yet. So there's no way that the goods would be transferred like that. Okay. However, if they manage the shipment, it's so easy for them and you have no visibility. The products mm. might still be in the factory, but you don't know if they say it's already in the warehouse, uh, by the boat, going to be uh, loaded in two hours. You have no way of knowing, right? So that's why most of the time it would be FOB. Now, uh, if you work with a contract manufacturer that can be trusted, you can, uh, you can let them handle more. Again, if it's one of like capabilities, in their teams, they have someone who's really good at organizing shipments. Why not let them ship uh, DDU or DDP, you know, delivered duty unpaid or delivered duty paid all the way, you know, door to door? Mm. It's why not, right? Now, trying to avoid CIF, I, I think we mentioned that before. CIF is sort of um, is very regular in term, but do not do that if you are not sure what your local fees will be because mm. that's that's how the the supplier can get a um, a lower quote and basically push some costs over to you and you only know about that at the last minute so try to avoid cif uh, because that's really a very serious uh, risk and basically that's it well that basically sense? there's 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 lots to <laughs> there's lots to unpack there actually that's uh, that's yes. 11 points right. so if, if i just quickly summarize then so we started off by just talking about the different types of suppliers and highlighting what a contract manufacturer actually is the sort of things mm -hmm. that they would be doing i mean we're specifically talking about selecting a contract manufacturer for electronic products in china but mm -hmm. i suppose a lot of the um, advice that you've given are are common for uh, non-electronic products as well, other hard goods perhaps, and, and also other countries outside right. of China. Uh, to a certain extent, yeah. yeah. Uh, hard goods, yeah, mechanical products without electronics, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Or okay. electric core products, uh, yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Highly applicable okay. in general. Okay. And, and so you, sort of 11 points that we went through, first of all, understanding which quantity you're going to be ordering uh, over the course of your 
you know, manufacturing journey uh, over the years uh, to being able to understand if you need production in a high volume or low product mix setup. So, you know, is, is the manufacturer going to say, well, hang on, you're, you're asking me to produce several different things at the same time. So are they are they able to do this? Transparency, number three. So do, do you want a transparent supply chain? Protection of intellectual property. Of course, this is a very popular subject and, and question that we often get asked, isn't it? Five, will they be helping with product development and compliance? Once again, I mean, you know, especially with uh, hardware startups, for example, this is perhaps something that they need assistance with. And uh, six, the capability of the contract manufacturer. And I think for, for the rest of it, th- this is where we're talking a lot about capabilities and understanding what are they a good fit, really? Do, are they able to provide what we need? And mm-hmm. you mentioned auditing, but I, I suppose doing an audit on prospective suppliers, whether it's a contract manufacturer, or ODM or OEM or, or whatever, this is where you're going to find this out. So you're going to understand their you know, QC capability, uh, how, how well they're able to, you know, create the test jigs and put those into into action. And then you, you also talked about liability. So this is a more on a contractual basis, right? So we're talking about manufacturing agreements, which is covering liability, but also protecting IP, which we mentioned as well, and payment mm-hmm. terms and delivery terms. So definitely on the contractual side. So the the reason I go through all of these is because I'm going to leave some links in the show notes to the various different resources that we've created over the years that cover these different things. So, I mean, you know, for example, when we talk about manufacturing agreements, if you're thinking, well, a manufacturing agreement, uh, what's going to be appropriate for a new contract manufacturer in China? Well, we've got a link just for that. So definitely check out the show notes. And uh, and if you have got any questions about finding the right contract manufacturer as well, well, you know what to do. You can contact us and uh, at sophies.com and we'll be happy to have a discussion about that and uh, provide some advice, won't we, Renaud? Right. Yeah, of course. Yes. Great. Okay. Well, thanks for taking us back, uh, through that process. Hopefully everybody's got a much better idea of what it takes to find the right contract manufacturer now. And uh, yeah, good to have you back, Renault. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. All right. Well, thanks, Adrian. That was a good one. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophies Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfilment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.